Father, God, so many times all we see is our failures, all we see is our shortcomings, all we see is the things that we've done wrong. God, all we see is the negative things, the, the things that weigh us down and that distract us. God, sometimes that's all we see. And we fail to see that the fact that, that a lot of the circumstances in our lives, God, are perfectly orchestrated by you. That, that things may come into our lives and they may hurt us, they may, um, they may break us down in a way. But Lord, so many times that is you refining us with your fire. That is you bringing things into our lives to purify us. And we don't see that. God, I pray that, that this morning we would see that. We would see that the things that come into our lives, so many times that they're not just attacks. They're not just negative things that are happening to us because we live in a broken world. They're absolutely orchestrated under your divine power, your sovereign hand. God, you're in complete control of every single thing that happens. I pray that we would see that, and we would see that in the midst of that, that you are indeed a good, good Father. Lord, all we can see sometimes, we're so blinded by all the bad stuff. We never, we never take time to pause in our lives and, and just stop and see just how good you are. Well, God, I pray that this morning that people would have their eyes open and their ears tuned in to you and to your word, and God, you would reveal to them that, that, that you are indeed working things for their good and for your glory, even though they can't see it. You're perfect in all of your ways. Every single thing that you orchestrate in our lives, God, it is perfect. Help us to see that. Help us to recognize that because you are a good, good Father. God, I pray right now, as, as we listen to what you have to say to us, that God, you would restore some people God, you would correct some people. You would remind people of your amazing love that you have for us. God, that when we walk out of this place, we would be changed because of your power and your word and your love. Father, that's what I pray for, for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. All right, so we've been talking about this dude named Joseph. Uh, we, we titled the series Extreme Home Makeover, Extreme Makeover Home Edition, I believe. Yeah, there we go. Extreme Makeover Home Edition. And we're seeing the house of Jacob getting an extreme makeover. And we're focusing in on this one guy named Joseph who happens to be Jacob's favorite son. He gives him a coat to show everybody else that he's his favorite and he loves him so dearly. And his brothers don't like it. His brothers are jealous. His brothers want to kill him. Not exactly the ideal family situation. He puts him in charge of his brothers and overseeing their work out in the fields and what they're doing, and his brothers don't like that. They say, you know what, we'll kill him. One of his other brothers said, no, I tell you what, we'll just sell him into slavery instead. Really loving people, right? Well, the intent was maybe we come, one of the brothers was saying, well, maybe I'll come back later and rescue him out of the, out of the well that we threw him into so that he'll be set free, but he didn't make it back in time. Instead, somebody else grabs him out of the well, sells him into slavery. He goes into slavery. Then he goes into this guy named Potiphar. He goes into his house, serves as like he's the main guy in Potiphar's house. He's, he's the main dude in charge of everything in Potiphar's household and gives him his credit card and his keys to all of his limousines. He says, hey, you're the man. You take care of all my stuff. 
So he does that, and what happens? Potiphar's wife gets a hot for him because Joseph apparently is the most attractive dude in all the Bible, apparently. He's the only one that says that he's an extremely good-looking dude, so he's all ripped up. He's got guns. He walks around probably in, you know, <laughs> a muscle shirt all day long. I don't know what he does, but anyway, muscle tunic. I don't know what he wears, but anyway, so... Uh, he's a good-looking dude, right? He's got the dark hair going on. He's Jewish. He's, he's, he's a good-looking guy. Potiphar's wife gets the hots for him, chases him down, keeps pursuing him over and over. He's like, no, man, I can't. Look, your husband put me in charge of everything. I can't do that. I know that, like, you're the master, you know, and all that, but I can't do that, you know? And finally, she corners him one day, rips all of his clothes off. He got some kind of scene from Desperate Housewives or something, rips all of his clothes off. He goes running out the, the door. Uh, she says, look what he did. He tried to attack me. I got his clothes right here, blah, blah, blah. Potiphar comes home. She's crying. He's like, oh, well, I got to do something. So he ends up putting him in jail, and Joseph is in jail from anywhere from, from two years to 13 years. We don't know exactly how long he was in jail, but it was at least that long. And he's there. So you're like, well, okay, so, so Joseph's in jail for a crime he didn't commit. And, and he's there, and he's still using the gifts that God has given him. So he's got two guys that are from, from Pharaoh's, uh, Pharaoh's he's a cupbearer and a baker, and they're, they're in there in jail with Joseph. And, and Joseph is still using the gifts that God's given him to be able to interpret dreams. God, for whatever reason, has gifted Joseph with this ability. He interprets dreams for him. And so you know what, man? Tell you what, we get out of here, we're going to remember you. We're going to do everything we can to get, out of, get you out of here. I, I, I'm going to do my best to get you out of prison, man. You don't deserve to be here. You need to be doing something else. And they go off. One of them gets killed by Pharaoh and the others working for Pharaoh. And we'd start out, I mean, like, this is not a happy story. Like, y'all been waiting, like, for something good to happen. And Joseph, I mean, yeah, Joseph got, in charge, got put in charge of Potiphar's household. And, yeah, he was, like responsible for everything. He goes to prison for a crime he didn't commit. In prison, the warden looks at him and says, man, you're a good guy. I'm going to put you in charge of everything in the prison. You're like, well, that's good, but he's still in prison. He's still a slave. Can he? I don't really see how the story's that good, man. Can we at least have a cheery note in this story, please? Dude's in prison for something he didn't commit. He, 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 it's people ripping his clothes off. I mean, like, can we at least have something good that's happened to this guy? Well, today, by worldly standards, something good is going to happen to Joseph. By our limited human perspective, you know, what, what is it? What is it that people think, well, something good's got to happen? Wealth, health, fame, that sort of stuff, right? That's, that's what you want. Man, that's, that's, that's what we're here for. Can he preach to us about how we'll be prosperous and all that kind of stuff? No, sorry, that's another church somewhere else. That's not this one. Um, <laughs> people are like, man, Really? Golly, no. But, I mean, it is, it is good from an earthly perspective that he's about to have something happen to him that's actually going to give him some things that will sustain him. And, uh, and he will. He, he's going to have power. He's going to have wealth. That, that's going to happen in the story. I can't deny that. I can't be like, no, that's not really what happened here. He, he didn't really in charge of Pharaoh's army and all that kind of stuff. That didn't really happen. That's what happened, and we're going to see that today. But Joseph, you have to admit... From our perspective, you'd be wanting to go, hey, God, ain't it time for something good to happen? Ain't it about time? I mean, like, nothing but bad stuff's happened to me so far. Ain't it about time that I get a stroke of good luck? Now, who has ever felt that way? Yeah, you don't have to raise your hand. I know. 
The Holy Spirit sees your hand. It's okay. I know. I know. You're like, all I have is like one shoe drop after another. If it's not one thing, it's another, right? It's like bad thing after bad thing after bad thing after bad thing, right? You're like, surely I'm due. You know what I mean? Like that, you know, I expect the dice to turn up on snake eyes. At some point, surely I'm due, right, God? Come on, man. It's been like two years, and I've been suffering. I've been dealing with this. It's been 13 years, and I've been suffering. I've been dealing with this situation. God, when's it going to let up? When am I going to get something good to roll my way? That tends to be our, our earthly, humanly one-sided perspective because we're not looking at what all God is doing, what he is orchestrating in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our trials, in the midst of us being falsely accused, falsely imprisoned, bad things happening, our family hates us, all this stuff, and God is orchestrating stuff, and we don't see it. We don't see it. But Joseph, thankfully, because of his faithfulness, you never see any complaints coming out of Joseph. I was talking to somebody a couple weeks ago, and they said, you know what? Joseph really never got any kind of justice out of the fact that he was falsely imprisoned. If you read this story, it never comes back and they go, oh, we're so sorry that never really happened. Potiphar never come back to Joseph and said, oh, my bad, it didn't really happen. We found out later some of the other slaves told us what really went down. It didn't really go down the way that my wife said. That never happened. He never gets justice. And the whole time he never complains. Now, I wish I was like that. Don't you? I wish I could be like that so many times. But the only thing I can do is I can look at examples in God's Word and say, you know what, there are so many circumstances that happen, bad stuff that, that happens in people's lives. And, and, and now I can look back at the story and I can see God at work through the whole thing. That, that's one of the main purposes of this book. You realize that, right? It's so that you can look at it and go, you know what? I feel like Joseph sometimes. I feel like bad thing after bad thing keeps happening, but when I look at the story and I know the end of the story, I can look back and say, well, God was at work the whole time. Why can't Joseph see that? That's for us. That's why these are in here. That's why we've been talking about it week after week. So you can look back at these stories and say, you know what? God is at work. Just like he was at work in Joseph's life and he was in the bottom of a pit and is sold into slavery and in jail falsely, God was still at work. That's what I want you to see in your life. That's what God wants you to see in your life. Is that though you may not see it right now, maybe one day when you're up in heaven looking back at the story of your life, you'll say, God was in it from the very beginning. He was orchestrating stuff. I didn't see it at the time, but God was doing stuff, and I didn't recognize it, and God was doing something the whole time. And it was all for the purposes of maybe refining something out of me that didn't belong there. Maybe preparing circumstances around me for something that God was, was orchestrating throughout the course of human history that would impact the rest of the world. Maybe it's your great-grandchildren that you're going to have, you know, a Charles Spurgeon somewhere down the line in, in your family lineage. You don't know. I mean, like a great, a great preacher, a Billy Graham at some point down. And you don't know that now. You can't see that now. All we can do is trust that God is faithful. And as we look at these stories, we see that God is faithful. But we also see that Joseph is faithful to God. So here we see things start to turn around for Joseph a little bit. Seems like it. Verse, uh, chapter 41 of Genesis. I'm not going to read all of this. Um, Connie, you'll have to keep up. We're going to skip around some. But it says in chapter 41, beginning of verse 1, it says, Two full years later, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing at the bank of the Nile River. In his dream, he saw seven fat, healthy cows 
come up out of the river and begin grazing in the marsh grass. Not exactly like the dreams I typically have. You know what I mean? It's usually like that commercial. It's got Abraham Lincoln talking to a beaver and they're having some conversation. And I don't, I'm like, what does this mean? I, apparently, this is not the kind of dream that Pharaoh had. So in his dream, he saw seven fat, healthy cows come up of the river and saw seven more cow, uh, and began grazing in the marsh grass. Then he saw seven more cows come up behind them from the Nile, but they were scrawny and thin. Weird, right? The cows stood beside the fat cows on the riverbank. Then the scrawny, cow, thin cows ate the seven healthy, fat cows. At this point in the dream, Pharaoh woke up. That, you know, that kind of does sound like something that happened to me, right? In the middle of something very confusing happening in my dream, I wake up and I go, I don't know what that was about. So anyway, so it says, but he fell asleep again and had a second dream. This time he saw seven uh, heads of grain, plump and beautiful, growing, uh, growing on a single stalk. Then seven more heads of grain appeared, but these were shriveled and withered by the east wind. And these thin heads swallowed up the seven plump, well-formed heads. And when Pharaoh woke up again, he realized it was a dream. This is what's going on. So fat cows, skinny cows, skinny cows eat the fat cows. He saw healthy grain, big grain, Scrawny, east wind, withered grain, eat the big grain. Really weird, okay, admittedly, okay? So Pharaoh, he's a little disturbed by this. It says, the next morning Pharaoh was disturbed by the dreams. So he called for all the magicians and the wise men of Egypt. When Pharaoh told them his dreams, not one of them could tell them what, what they meant. They, they were like, you got me, man. Fat cows, skinny cows, big Grain, little grain, I got no clue, all right? I don't know what that means. I'm sorry, I can't help you. Uh, I got all kinds of magic tricks. This doesn't happen to be one of the magic tricks I have in my bag. So it says, finally, the king's chief cupbearer spoke up. Something triggered in his mind. He's like, the Pharaoh's got a dream that he's interpreting. I knew a dude. I knew a guy. I knew a guy. This, this is why, this is why, we're to be faithful in our, in our service to God. Using gifts that God has given us, even if we can't see what God is doing with them, this is the reason right here. I want you to stop and take a minute and soak in this scripture right here because some of you are out there working hard and working diligent for the kingdom of God and nobody really knows about it. Nobody has really seen a lot of that. The people that you work with, they kind of got a glimpse of it, and they see that you don't cuss, they see that you don't drink, all that kind of stuff, and they're saying, you know what, that is a Christ follower. There's somebody that's pursuing God. And you're like, man, there's one or two people at work that see it, but nobody else in the world even knows, even knows that, that, that that's me. You know what I mean? It seems like this is an exercise in futility. Like my whole life is just about, is it really just about influencing a couple of people? Is it really, I mean, really, did God create me to, and I'm pursuing God and doing these great things so that I can just influence one or two people at work or at school? School, yes. You, you, you're supposed to be a Christian at school, too, in case I, I want to miss that. You know, I talk about work a lot because a lot of us are adults, but there is school, too, and you're supposed to be a Christian influence at school. You're supposed to, to do the right thing at school. Why, Kenny? Why? I thought we were just supposed to come in here and look good in here, and, and that was about coming on Sundays and, and Wednesdays sometime, and I thought that was good enough. No, no, no. I, I'm afraid that it, it's about every single thing that you do in your life and all the, all the people that you influence in your life, whether it's at work or at school or Walmart or the garbage dump or wherever it is, 
that we're supposed to be a Christian influence on the people around me because we don't really know how God is going to use that. And here we see finally the cupbearer has a thought and goes, Today I'm reminded of my failure. Uh oh. What was his failure? His failure was the fact that he told Joseph, Hey man, I'm going to get you out of this place, man. We're going we're gonna to get you out of here because you need to be doing something else. And here you are stuck in this hole where the, the light don't even shine down here in the dungeon. And, and, and you need to come out of this. And he says, today I am reminded of my failure, he told Pharaoh. Some time ago you were angry with the chief baker and me. And you imprisoned us in the palace of the captain of the guard. One night the chief baker and I had a dream. And each dream had its own meaning. There was a young Hebrew man with us in the prison. There was a young Hebrew man with us in the prison. There was a young Hebrew man with us in the prison. There was a young Hebrew man with us in the prison. Why do you keep saying that over and over again? We got it. We got it. This is what people should say about you. There was a young Christian that I used to be associated with. There was this Christian that I saw at work, and I knew that when they read the Bible, uh, at their lunch table, they weren't just pretending and trying to look good. I, I actually saw them really trying to pursue God. When I really saw this, 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 this young Christian in my math class, in my science class, and they were, they were really you know, trying to stick to their guns when it came to their faith, and, and they were really trying to do the right thing, even when everybody else was, was having sex and going out and trying to, trying to find where they could get alcohol and all that kind of stuff, and they were doing all the things they know they shouldn't do, but they did anyway. This person continued to pursue God and continued to pursue their faith. People should say, I remember somebody. I remember that person. I remember who that was. Because you don't recognize how many people are looking at you. You know how I can guarantee that people will pay more attention to what you do? You know how I can guarantee that people will scrutinize you, pick you apart, analyze every single move that you make? All you have to do is be a Christian. And people will, will nail you to the wall. They're like, man, i got to dissect this person. You think about it. Anybody that's pursuing Jesus Christ, everybody in the world, what do they do? What do they do? They start talking about the stuff that they've done, and have you done that? Have you done that yourself? Hey, Christian, have you, have you, have you done this? Why don't you come along with us? Because we want to do this, and, and, and if we get the Christian to come along with us, and, and they'll do that too, then it'll make me not as bad as I know that I am. Yeah, am I right or am I right? That's exactly what happens, right? All we got to do is we got to lure the Christian in to go along with this, the, the, the church, church going, Bible believing person. We get them to go, then obviously we're not as bad. If we can get them to go, man, if we get them to go along with us and do the stuff that we know we shouldn't be doing, then obviously we're not that bad. I don't know why that is. I don't know why that is. I, I think it's because people want to feel better about themselves if they can drag other people down with them. Uh, <laughs> there's something I shared with our college and career back when I used to do college and career ministry. When you get crabs in a bucket and they start climbing the side of a bucket, it's beach time, it's summertime, everybody knows what I'm talking about. Uh, they start climbing the side of the bucket. You know what happens? The other crabs grab them and pull them back down. You know why that is? I don't got a clue. <laughs> I don't know, but they do. But that's exactly what the world does with Christians trying to climb out of the bucket. Am I right? They grab them, pull them back down. You get down here with us. We want you right here in the middle of us. And you start trying to climb out of the bucket. We're just going to pull you right back down. And if you're a high school student, you know exactly what I'm talking about. 
If you're a college student, you know even more about what I'm talking about. If you're an adult, you have been there, done that, gotten the t-shirt, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're a young student, junior high, elementary school, it's coming. It's coming. You're, matter of fact, if you're in junior high right now, if you're around the ages 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, you're in that age range right there, you are right in the thick of it. You are right in the thick of it. This, this is where it starts to take hold. This is where it starts to happen. And, and you're going to see it, and you're going to be like, I think that dude at Simple Church, I think he said something about this. You are going to be right in the thick of it right at this moment. So here, I said, as a Hebrew guy, it, it, it's just one of those Hebrews with us in prison who is a slave of the captain of the guard. And, and we told him our dreams, and he told us what each of our dreams meant. And everything happened just as he had predicted. And I was restored to my position as, as cupbearer, and the chief baker was executed and impaled on a pole. Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once, and he was quickly brought from the prison. After he shaved and changed his clothes, he went in and stood before Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night, and no one here can tell me what it means. But I have heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. Listen, listen, there, there's some powerful stuff in, in Joseph's story in Genesis, right? But let me tell you that this is extremely powerful, what is said right here. I, I hope that when, when people look at us and they say, how is it that you're able to stand strong in the middle of, of trials and, and when somebody's dying in your family or, or you're able to, to not go and be a part of what everybody else is doing? How are you able to do that? I hope that your response is just like Joseph's. I hope that, that the reason we gather here week in and week out is so that we can, we can be more like Joseph in our response to when the world tries to pull us back down. In Genesis chapter 41, verse 16, it says this, It is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied. But God, but God, I can't do it, but God can. There's no way that I have the strength within me. There's no ability within me to do it, but God can. I hope that when you go out into this world and people keep dragging you down to the bottom of the bucket, you say, I can't, but God can. But God, but God is the answer. Here, the answer is, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. Set you at ease. Now, there's a little bit of uh, foretelling here, I think, because Joseph knows the sovereign God, and he knows that God has orchestrated some stuff in his life, and I believe he's trusted God faithfully through this whole ordeal. And he knows that he can set him at ease. How does he know that? He's only going to be set at ease because he knows that the, the, the God has, has ordained this particular moment for Joseph to be where he is doing what he's doing. And he knows that something is about to happen. He can recognize the God moment that he's in. He was in prison just a few hours ago. Now he's clean shaven, got brand new clothes. He's all washed up and he's standing before the Pharaoh the king of Egypt, and he's standing there, and he recognizes this God moment. And the only way that Pharaoh is going to be set at ease is if he 
is responsive to what God is doing. And I believe Joseph right here can see that God is at work and God has made this particular moment for something to change in Joseph's life. I hope you recognize those God moments in your life. That when, when things are, are, are like, they reach fever pitch. When you have that moment where you can either take things into your own hands or put them in God's hands, I pray that you will put them in God's hands and say, God, I know that you are faithful. I know that you have this moment in your mind where you have set things up in my life, even though it has looked nasty up until this point. I know that right now you're doing something, God. And I just want to respond. I just want to respond. Some of you have this experience. At the end, we have a time of response where you can come and pray and ask Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life. And you know it's a God moment. You know that it's a moment when God is speaking directly to you and say, you need to surrender everything and come to me. And we sit there and we say no. We sit there and we say no because we don't recognize the God moments. We refuse to obey. We refuse to surrender. But I hope you recognize it is beyond my power to do this but God. But God. Rely on His power and His power alone. So Pharaoh told Joseph the dream. And it goes on and he tells him basically what I told you before, all about the dream that he happened, had. Joseph responded in verse 25 of chapter 41. It says, Joseph responded. Both of Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God is telling Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do. The seven healthy cows and the seven... Healthy grains, heads of grain, both represent seven years of prosperity. The seven thin scrawny cows that came up later and the seven thin heads of grain withered by the east wind represent seven years of famine. This will happen just as I have described it, for God has revealed to Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do. Still recognizing the God moment, he says, this will happen. God has made this situation right here, right now, for you to be able to respond. The next seven years will be a period of great prosperity throughout the land of Egypt, but afterward there will be seven years of famine, so, so great that all the prosperity will be forgotten in Egypt. Famine will destroy the land. This famine will be so severe that every memory of the good years will be erased. As for having two similar dreams, it means that these events have been decreed by God, and He will soon make them happen. Therefore, Pharaoh uh, should find an intelligent, wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. I think he's talking about himself. I can't say that for sure because I didn't say that in here. But he looks at Pharaoh and he said, you're about to have famine after seven good years and it's going to be bad. It's going to be so bad that everybody's going to forget about the good times. All they're going to see is the bad times. He says, you need to find you a wise man, an intelligent man who can lead you through this mess. You need to find somebody there's a lot of people that say the story of Joseph is the story of Jesus in a lot of ways. If you've had some good times in your life, congratulations. I'm thrilled to death for you. It's, it's great that your family has had health. You've had finances so you can put food on the table and you've got a car to drive. Praise God for what you've had. But 
for those of us that, that, that have had those good times, we've also had bad times too. And, it, and for some of us, the bad times have so been so bad that it's, it's almost made the good times diminish into the background. That all you can see, man, is, is, is how hard it's been. Sometimes that's all we can see. I want you to know that you need to find a wise, intelligent man to help you through those situations in your life that can help you through the hard times. And that wise, intelligent man, he's wiser than any other man. His ways surpass all of our ways. His understanding surpasses all of our understanding. You need to find a wise, intelligent man that can guide you through the hard times. Now, thankfully... For Pharaoh, he's got one standing in front of him. So Pharaoh asks his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Can we find somebody else? Isn't this what, what the world tends to do? We need somebody like this Christian, but not a Christian. Can we find one of those? We need somebody with integrity, somebody that we can trust, someone we can put our... Everything in his hands and say, you take care of it. Is there anybody that we can find like that that's not a Christian? That's what the world does, right? But we need to be the kind of Christians that we just stand there and say, you need to find you somebody that you can trust through these difficult times. Somebody so filled with the Spirit of God. Think about Joseph's testimony here. What do they see in Joseph? The Spirit of God. What do we... What do we need people to see in us? The Spirit of God. So filled with the Spirit of God that we're able to, to lead people. To be strong when nobody else is strong. To be able to see clearly what God has in store. Even when nobody else can see it. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court, and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. Here is what we see happening. We see a man filled with the Holy Spirit of God, following the leadership of God, being a man of integrity, doing what God has called him to do, using the gifts that God has given him. And then God ordains a particular moment in Joseph's life. And he has a, ch a chance right here to give glory to himself or give glory to God. And what does he do? He chooses to give glory to God and say, God is the only way. And because he has done that, God is blessing Joseph. He, he's... Now, listen to me for just a second. It, it says that he takes a signet ring off his finger and puts it on Joseph's finger. Just because you're faithful to God does not mean you're going to be covered up with wealth and that you're going to be the vice president of the United States. That is not what it means. But the kind of wealth that you have is an eternal wealth where you store up your treasures in heaven where that one day, one, one day when, when you're in the presence of God and God is saying, he's with me. Just like Pharaoh is saying, Joseph is with me. You, you, you think about being a king and how powerful that is. Imagine belonging to God and God saying, he is with me. He is with me. He says, nobody else is going to be able to, to do anything outside of your command. It says in verse 44, it says, I, Pharaoh, said to him, I am Pharaoh, but no one will lift a hand or a foot 
in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. He says, you're going to be in charge of everything. Nobody's going to do anything unless you tell them to do it. Why? Because here's a man filled with the Spirit of God. You want to be a great leader? You want to be somebody that leads your family? You want to be somebody that leads at work? Be filled with the Spirit of God. Be somebody who continues to pursue God in spite of what everybody else is doing. You continue to be filled with the Spirit of God. If you want to be a great leader, I mean, like, people ask me, Kenny, how do I lead my family? Be filled with the Spirit of God. Be filled with the Spirit of God. How do I do that? Pursue God. Pursue Him through His Word. Pursue Him through bringing your family to church, getting your kids ready to bring them to church. I know that's crazy. Like, I know that's like the wife's job or whatever. Guys, Y'all can put a diaper on. You can't. I've done it. Look, I know. I speak from experience. I've done it. You can put a diaper on. You can put pants on. A shirt, too. You can do it, man. I know the shoes are a struggle. I get that. I get that, man. It's, the shoes, they're impossible. I don't know. We lost a shoe in Montana one time. I don't even know how that happened. Like, we were going through the airport. Now it's Denver, Colorado. I take that back. Denver, Colorado. I don't want to lie to you from the pulpit. It was Denver, Colorado. We lost a shoe in the airport. And... I don't know if y'all know this or not. It had to be my fault, right? Because only a daddy would lose a shoe. So anyway, so it was my fault. I take full responsibility. We had to go to some baby gap in the middle of nowhere to find another shoe. But it's okay. I mean, that's a true story. I'm not making that up just because it fits. But literally. But, but anyway, so like you can get your kids ready for church. I know, man. Kenny, you were crazy, dude. You can do it, man. You, you want your family to go to church, so help them get ready to go to church. And I guarantee you, if you put shoes on your kid, even though they may look like a demon with all the different colors and all that, I know, but e even if you do that, man, your, your wife is going to look at you and go, that's a man filled with the Spirit of God because he wouldn't do that on his own. Am I right? He must be relying on God because there ain't no way he could have got them shoes on on his own. I mean, yeah, the outfit is terribly uncoordinated, but like, and if you do, if you really seek the face of God, you might actually be able to get a coordinated outfit on your child. You can be a leader at work, man. You want, you want to lead people at work? They see you being a man of integrity. You continue to follow the leadership of God when it comes to every single situation. Look, there, there is one thing that everybody at my work knows about me. It, 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 it's, it, it goes without saying. They, they've, they've seen me say it before. They've heard me say it before. They, 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 they've experienced it before. If they ask me to do something that I believe is not full of integrity, I quit that second. And there is no compromise. I don't care how much money I make. I, I don't care about any of that. If they ask me to do something that I do not feel like is full of integrity, I will walk away without hesitation. And God will provide for my family. I will not do something that will compromise my integrity at my job. And they know that without a shadow of a doubt. And nobody asked me to do that either. There was, there was one time where I got in a shouting match. I know, look, okay. Some of y'all been in shouting matches too at work, okay? It happens, all right? But, but somebody tried to shut the blame and put it on somebody else, put it on another group and said, well, they did something and that's the reason this is messed up and blah, 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 blah. I said, no, I will not let you stand here and blame them. It was my fault and you better let me take responsibility or I'm leaving right now. I got in a shouting match in my office and the dude's boss had to come over. He's like, so everything's good, right? I was like, yeah, it's good, man. 
I'm just, I'm going to take the blame for this, this mess up. I'm not going to put it off on somebody else and say in another group, another company, they're the ones that messed up. I'm not going to do that. And I will not stand here and let somebody else do that. I will leave right this second. And I absolutely believe in being a man of integrity because you know what is way more important than my job? It is what people see in me. It is that people see Christ in me. And that is a thousand million trillion times more important than my job or how much money is in my bank account. This is what they saw in Joseph, that he was a spirit-filled man. They said, you know what? You're going to have to lead us through this. It says in verse 47, everything happened just like he said it was going to. Everything happened exactly like God had predicted and Joseph had used Pharaoh and Joseph to show them that this is what was going to happen. It says that, that, that Joseph goes on. He, he has a wife and he's got two kids, Manasseh and Ephraim. And it's interesting what Joseph says in verse 51 of chapter 41. It says, Joseph said, God has made me forget all of my trouble and everyone in my father's family. Joseph named his second son Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in this land of my grief. There's two things that he says here. He says, he says everything that, that this happened with my family, God has blessed me in such a way that I don't really focus on that anymore. Let me tell you that I think this is a prelude to the fact that God is going to refine Joseph even further. That God is going to continue to challenge Joseph in areas where he doesn't necessarily want to be challenged. I think that this is an indication right here that Joseph is like, man, I want to put all that behind me and I want to look towards the future. And sometimes we can do that. Sometimes we can, but sometimes we don't need to, to forget about the fact that we got stuff in the past that we got to deal with. And that's what God's setting Joseph up right, for right now. See, God's dealt with the present. He's dealt with the current situation for Joseph. He's out of prison. He's second in the command of Pharaoh. But Joseph still's got, got some stuff he's got to deal with. And I believe that this is pointing towards the fact that Joseph doesn't necessarily want to deal with those things in his past. He just wants to kind of take care of the things in the moment. But God's saying, man, you got stuff in your past that we got to deal with, okay? There's stuff in, 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 in your past that, man, we got to get straightened out, purified, cleared up in order for you to be able to move forward. Now, Listen to me. This, this is very important. I don't know what God has spoken to you in this message. I don't know what he said. Maybe things are not good in your life and, and, and you're just hoping things will turn around and you say, you know, I'm putting my faith in eternity and, and that's what I got out of this. Or maybe, just maybe, there's something that God wants you to deal with in your past that you have not clearly addressed. That God has ordained this message for this time and this is a God moment for you to say, you know what? There is something that I've got to deal with that though it was in my past and though that it looks like it's gone, it's over with, it's finished, that God says, no, we still have to deal with this because I want to refine you, I want to purify you, I want to make you more like my son Jesus Christ, and I can't do that until you let go of whatever you've got in your family history, whatever you've got in your previous experiences, until you let go of all of that. We can't use you to your full potential. I'm not going to go into details, but just to tell you that I've had this happen in my own life. I, I, when God called me to ministry, before I ever got the chance to go into ministry, when God first called me, he said, 
you want to help other people, you got to help yourself first. You got to help yourself first. And, and there was some stuff I had to deal with in my life first before I could ever go. And, and God used me to my full potential. Maybe, just maybe, that's what you needed to hear this morning. Maybe, just maybe, you've not been the man or woman of integrity at work or at school that you feel like you should have been. And you know that it's affecting your testimony and how people look at Christians and how people look at you. Maybe you need to come repent of that and say, God, I don't have the strength to do it, but you do. Maybe, just maybe, things have, have been really rocky in your life. And, and you're looking for a wise, intelligent man to lead you through it. Jesus Christ is the answer to that. Jesus Christ is the only one that will lead you in a way that will not fail you. Other men will fail you, let you down. Best friends, stab you in the back, all that kind of stuff. But Jesus Christ will never fail you because His ways are higher than our ways. He is a good, good Father. Let me pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. God, for how you have challenged us through your word. Lord, I know that it it's, it's warm in this place. The, the temperature has gotten up since we've been in here. And God, I, I don't know why that is. I mean, I, I know that, that we have air conditioning issues that we're working on and all that. But I also know that, God, maybe you're using this to challenge some people if they really want to be here or not. Whatever you're doing, God, I'm okay with that. Lord, and, and there are some people that have been so challenged by this word. Maybe they've got something in their past, Lord, that you've just opened their eyes to. Maybe there's somebody here that's just waiting, God, that something's going to change, something's going to happen. Eventually, I'm going to catch a break. I pray that they would not be fixated on the fact that, that Joseph got put in second command, but I pray that they would be fixated on the fact that, that just as Joseph was one of Pharaoh's, God, we are one of yours. God, that surpasses any riches or, or any amount of power that we could ever have if we're right there with God, that we belong to you. God, maybe there's somebody here. God, they're experiencing a rocky seven years in their life, a difficult time, a different, difficult period in their life. And Lord, they're looking for a wise, intelligent man to lead them through it. Father, I pray that they would only find that in Jesus Christ. The reason you brought them here today was so that they could hear that Jesus Christ is the only answer. He's the only one that can lead them through a period of famine in their life. God, Jesus Christ is the only one. Lord, maybe there's some people here that are struggling with their integrity, they're struggling with their testimony, and, and they're, they're just struggling, God, with showing people that they're a Christian and a Christ follower. I pray that they would recognize what we saw in your word, that I do not have the power, but God. But God has the power. Lord, let us fall into your arms at this time. Let us find peace that only you can provide. I pray that you would do in our lives what you did in Pharaoh's life and you would put us at ease. But we know that that can only happen, God, if we follow your plan, if we obey you and we follow you. So God, may we do that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Everyone please stand.